what Karen I'm an heir of salvation purchase of God born in his spirit and I'm washed in his love is this your story I wonder whose story it is besides mine God bless you Reg TD for ushering in a spirit of celebration this morning give everybody time to pick up the kitchen table chairs because I know they've been bouncing all around. Check the eggs in the refrigerator. Make sure you didn't break in. And when you were bouncing around, this is a celebration this morning. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Join in with us. This is week number 27 coming from the Cyber Sanctuary. God has met us here every week. He hasn't let us down. He hasn't failed us yet. He's shown up and done his part. The question is, do we show up ready, attentive, ready to do our part? He doesn't ask much of us just to be available. We sing that song, didn't we? Lord, I'm available to you. Didn't we? Come on now. Yeah, yeah, come on. Sing, sing, sing. Come on. Use me, use me, use me. To show Come on now. That's that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. With, with, without effort, you can sing it. With, without my story, it's empty. Fill me up, Lord, and I am available to Come on now. Oh, oh, you remember those Sundays when we used to just drop the songs in there and y'all would just run with them and folk would be all excited all over the church? I wonder if that's happening all over the city right now. Somebody was supposed to shout loud enough for me to hear them at 7600 Division Boulevard just remembering what happened. Because that's how we are in the house of the Lord. We, we reflect on how good God has been to us. We reflect on good times. And this morning we've come and I, I want you to be ready for this word that's coming from the Lord, but you can't just walk in cold. You got to get ready. You go into his presence, and I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm already full. I just, I got to tell you, I'm biased because I'm, I'm tuned to their voices. <laughs> they, they, they sing, I hear songs on the radio and I hear them in their voices. Now, 
It's just how it is. That's how it is after all these many years. I'm just, and that's the tune. And I thank God for them and what they do. We are glad to have all these folk in the sanctuary with us this morning, all five of them. <laughs> I'm sorry, six, because Greg is in the back back there, yeah. Six, and then, yeah, we've been, we, we don't have no choice but the social distance this morning. It's just how it is. Can you just imagine? Can you just imagine that Sunday when the parking lot is full again and all the voices are in happy tones and somebody's going to be standing aside just crying because it's been a tough time for them because of what's going on in their life. They didn't know if they would make it back here, but they're saying in their heart as they're walking to the door, I'm glad to be in the service. I'm glad to be in the service one more time. He, he didn't have to, because he didn't have to let me live. Yeah, yeah, God has been so good to us. But I tell you right now, don't wait until that day to start praising him. Praise him in advance for what he's going to do for us. Have some anticipation of the blessing that's going to come. Yeah. Oh, I've had my share of ups and downs. Come on now. I'm trying to talk myself into Daniel, y'all. I'm trying to get there, but I can't get off this step right now. It's just, come on, come on now. I, I, I see you back there, Gloria. I know you're not in here right now, but I see you back there. I, I see you. I see you, Sister Howell. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, I see you, Ms. Johnson. I, I see you. I see you. I see you, Monet. I see you back there. Now, I see you back there. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. All the folk who come in here, I see you. I can go down the road and start calling folk. Now, I see you in here. Do you see yourself in here is the question. I see you. I see you. Lord knows I see you. I see your brothers over there. I see you. Deacon. I see you, Deacon Hall. I see you. I see you. Yeah, come on now. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. I don't know what y'all think. There's a shop called Preacher Power that we can go and buy stuff that gives us the special whatever we need to come in here Sunday after Sunday. The storehouse we go to is called the prayer room. The power comes from the Holy Spirit to keep coming every Sunday and sharing with you. I want you to pray for me now that I be focused and ready to come in and share a word because we all have our times when we struggle, when we're distracted, when life seems to get fuller than normal. So we all need to be 
prayerfully. I struggle with areas that you struggle with. But I do know that there have been examples in Scripture of people who have shown us what the power of faith can do, what the power of prayer can do. And I thought it wise this month to bring to you some examples of some prayer warriors. And so we've talked about some of the people in the Bible who I think are some shown up prayer warriors. One of them was David. Another of them is Daniel. And last week we started talking to you about prayer lessons from Daniel. And God has named certain people in the Bible who he identifies as faithful. They weren't born faithful. But God, in his interaction with them, has identified them as being faithful. He calls some names. Oh, yeah. He identified Noah as being faithful. He identified Job as being faithful. And the angel Gabriel told Daniel that God identified him as being faithful. Daniel, just a Jewish boy whose life was upended because he lived at a time when the leaders of his nation couldn't get along with neighboring leaders of other nations. Because the leaders at that time didn't get along, there was turmoil in the country. And during the time of his teenage years, that turmoil boiled over into war. And his country was not strong enough to withhold the invading conquerors. And they came, and they took all of the young men and women and held them captive. They took them and carted them off to a distant land that was foreign from Daniel in every respect. It was foreign in terms of dress. It was foreign in terms of food. It was foreign in terms of the customs. But Daniel was faithful. He had come from a home where his mom and dad had prayed. And if he couldn't take anything else, he couldn't grab any clothes when they came and got him. He couldn't grab any of his, 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 his scrolls or any of his quills when they came and got him. He couldn't grab any of those material things, but he could take his character with him. He could take his customs of living with him, and he could take the foundations that his mother and father had given him with him. And so he knew how to call on the name of the Lord. And he knew from those days in temple that it had been predicted that the children of Israel would have their country torn from them. Judah would be dispersed. God had predicted it for so long. And here he finds himself in the middle of that prediction. The country's been torn apart. But because he was such a bright young man, I told you last week, those conquering invaders saw something in him and a handful of other young men. And so they took them into the service of the palace. And they put them into what I call Babylon University. And for three years, they taught them the customs of this new place. They taught them how to serve a Babylonian king. They, saw, they taught them all the things that went into being in the service of the palace. They even tried to indoctrinate them with the food. Didn't work for Daniel. He kept eating his own food. 
after negotiating with his captors, he convinced them that his diet was better for him than their diet, and they agreed with him. And would you know it, Daniel was such a bright young man that they gave him positions of leadership even in his teenage years. Let me give you this. He stayed in varying degrees of leadership for the next 60 years. That's how faithful he was. The one foundation he took with him, the one thing he took with him that stayed with him the entire time, church, is Daniel knew how to pray. And so it's from his lessons in prayer that we started out last week telling you some of the things that Daniel had learned in his many, many years. Yeah, I told you he was in his teenage years <clears throat> when he started praying. And sometimes I don't think we put into context how things happen in folks' lives. We've been hearing about Daniel in the lion's den all our lives, since we were little kids, since we were in Sunday school with those little Sunday school cards. We've been hearing them, reading about them. But what was never put into context for us was how old he was when he went in the lion's den. I'm not talking about the Daniel of the teenage years who was brought into Babylon, who was taught how to pray. I'm not talking who was put in the lion's den. I'm talking about the Daniel who had been in the service of the kings. By that time, it had been four kings. He was in there with well, three kings. He was in their service 60 plus years before he was put in the lion's den. He was 80 years old, 80 years old when he was placed in the lion's den, this same Daniel. And so he must have built a reputation that was so significant that the folk who snitched on him, that's what they did, the folk who put him into this controversy must have known that his character was such that they couldn't say that he was going to do anything wrong. No, because that wasn't Daniel's character. Daniel served faithfully. He was devoted to the folk he worked with. The kings respected him enough to put him over all of the wise men in the kingdom. And so because those other wise men couldn't find anything he did that was wrong, they had to create a controversy to make what he did wrong. You ought to hear me now. The devil's got a whole lot of ways about him. He'll either identify what you're doing as wrong or he'll turn what you're doing into wrong. Come on now. And so what they did was they got a weak-minded king to change the law because they knew David was, I mean, Daniel was faithful. He was going to pray. The question is, who are you going to pray to? And since they knew he would never treat the king who would have been an idol to the rest, to Daniel, they know he'd never revere him in the same way as his God, Jehovah. They made a law that said Daniel could only pray and everybody else could only pray to the king at a certain time. Now, I love this. You'll find this in chapter 6 of Daniel. I love this. The Bible says that when Daniel knew, I love that, when he knew that the law was in place, when he knew that the ink was dry on the scroll, when he knew that the king had signed the order, when he knew, he went back and did the same thing he had always done. He went to his house, he got down on his knees, he turned his face toward Jerusalem, toward the temple, and he prayed to his God. And he did it in the morning, and he did it at noon, and he did it in the evening. Why? Because he's faithful. He didn't care about getting in trouble, because he knew he'd be in trouble if he stopped praying to his God. 
he knew that the same God that had kept him those 60 odd years, the one who had benefited him while he was there, was the only one worthy of that kind of praise. And so he prayed. And when they discovered that he prayed, they turned him in to the king. And the king, because of his own decree, had to put his 80-year-old friend in the lion's den. But can I tell y'all something? The same God who can keep you for 60-plus years in captivity is the same God who created everything, including lions. And guess what? No matter how powerful a hungry lion is, even a hungry lion has to pay attention to a powerful God. And so even though he was hungry, even though there was a meal sitting in front of him, even though that lion or those lions could have eaten all night long with nobody bothering them, they didn't dare touch Daniel because God told them to leave him alone. Now, they were hungry now. They just couldn't satisfy their hunger on God's man. And so the next morning when the king came running to see what was left of Daniel, he found that his same faithful servant, was still standing there waiting to be let out of the lion's den. Because the king was so grateful, because the king was so relieved, he found all of the ones who had snitched, and he satisfied the lion's appetite with them and their family. And God relieved the lions of their fast and allowed them to satisfy their hunger while Daniel went about his job and continued serving the king faithfully. How do you get to that place in life where you have that kind of faith? Some people think, come on now, walk with me, Reg, that you can just jump up one morning and start praying like Daniel prayed while he was in that lion's den. Some people believe that it's that kind of microwave mentality that you can automatically have what you need. I came what you need in order to have that kind of relationship with God. I came to tell you that this takes much deeper relationship that most folk are used to. People believe that any little prayer they utter, God will hear and respect. But don't you know it's the foundation of the person that gives the power to the prayer? It's the relationship that that person has with God. It's the fact that that person calls on the Lord all the time. God knows familiar voices too. Not just the errant call in the night, he'll hear that, he'll respond to that, but oh my will he hear his friend who he hears every day. How much in tune do, does he hear you? I told you when we started this service, I hear y'all's voice when you sing. I can pick y'all's voices out. I can say, that's T singing right there because I've heard her sing so much. I know it. Same way God knows the prayer when it comes from somebody who's a prayer, who's always there for him. God knows your voice when you call. And so when you have an active prayer life, when you have a relationship with the Lord, when you make a habit of talking to him on a regular basis, he hears you clearly. And Daniel found that to be the case. Watch this. There are a lot of people who are pretty good at driving a vehicle. They can get in it and traverse the community fairly easily because they drive regularly. But I dare say those same driving skills will not translate to the NASCAR circuit. I don't think you can get in one of those NASCAR cars and get on that track and drive that 500 mile race in three hours without some practice and some skill. 
and yet folk want to take everyday driving and put it on the NASCAR circuit when it comes to praying. They want to take an everyday prayer when they're in a NASCAR situation and think it's going to be heard the same way. Can I tell you, you got to build up to those kind of skills. Folk don't want to hear me on this. You got to learn how to practice. Dizzy Dean skills don't translate to Major League Baseball. You got to practice. You got to grow. You got to build some muscle memory. I know that God hears a baby cry. Yeah, but he hears the voice of his faithful servant as a baby crying. He responds to that. He knows when you are calling his name, and Dave, Daniel was one of the ones that he listened to. Can I tell you, just by way, quickly, he told you to make sure that you are heard when he's praying. He says, start studying the scriptures. The scripture will give you a foundation on where you ought to pray. Let the scripture lead you to your prayer subject. That means that studying, studying the scripture is a part of an active prayer life. Studying the scripture, knowing what God's purposes are, will help you become a better prayer. Humility is the foundation upon which you need to stand in order for your prayers to gain heaven's attention. Arrogance doesn't get the door answered. Prepare to talk to the king when you go in. Make sure you know who you're talking to. Yeah, it's the Lord God of heaven, the creator of everything. Make sure you clear your heart. Get all of the junk out. Confess your sin when you're going to talk to the Lord. And know that he's worthy to be praised. And then never forget who you're talking to while you're in prayer. Don't lose sight and have to be called upon by the Lord for irreverence. The Lord even told Moses to take his shoes off from the ground when he was standing there because the ground upon which you stand, because I'm here, now becomes holy ground. It was just the desert flow yesterday. But when God steps down into that place, it becomes holy ground. When you make your closet, the space that you and God talk, make sure you keep it reverent. Make sure you know that it's the God of the universe you're talking to. Daniel gave us other lessons that you and I need to pick up on and carry with us if we're going to grow in our prayer states. Daniel said he wouldn't defile himself. Yeah, how can you keep pouring good prayers out of a body that's defiled? Ask yourself that. You need to keep yourself in check, your activities, your attitude. Daniel kept his living right so that God's listening would be defiled by him. Not only that, David, Daniel was faithful. He was faithful in all things. Can you imagine that someone who made sure they prayed three times a day, morning, noon, or night, had an exacting life that meant everything else needed to line up so I can be in place, so I can pray. You can't be raggedy on everything else and still keep an active prayer life. Can I, can I tell you that if prayer is your focus three times a day, you got to be focused on other stuff too, which meant he was good at keeping a schedule because he didn't want to get off schedule with the Lord. Some of us just throw up a prayer anytime. That might be all right. God can hear that when it's necessary. But wouldn't it be great to just have regular times, scheduled times that we talk to the Lord? We don't want to hear that. We make time for everything else. 
and yet we don't make time to spend regularly with him. We need to work on that. There needs to be an expectation that we're going to spend a certain amount of time. And guess what? People will honor that. They'll honor your period of time that you spend with the Lord, and they won't get in your way when it comes to spending that time with them. Not only that, Daniel had an excellent spirit inwardly, but because it was so excellent inwardly, it exuded from him, which meant he had a good relationship with his fellow man. Because you can't have an excellent spirit on the outside that emanates into raggedy on the out, on, uh, when it comes to other folk. You can't have a, an excellent spirit on the inside that comes out raggedy. You got to get along with other folk. And how can folk believe that you got that kind of relationship with God when you can't get along with them? That's a struggle. We got to learn how to communicate effectively with people because at all times we're a witness for the Lord. And not having a good relationship with people damages our relationship with the Lord. The memory is important. Memory is important when it comes to knowing how good God has been to you. You got to remember what he's brought you from. Our, our relationship with the Lord determines what kind of power we can have in our prayer lives. And maybe today, where you are, you're still believing that what you're able to do in your own power is the strength that drives you along. Can I tell you, things that you are using right now become, become weaker and weaker as you get older. Memory. Yeah, ability to do certain things. They become less and less, and having a good relationship with the Lord before that helps you when you get to that place. There are some things I may not know, may not be true when you're 24, but it might be true when you're 84. And you ought to know that God is real when you're 84. You might not pay attention to it when you're 24, but you need to know that God is real when you're 84 years old. Daniel knew that, and he kept it the whole time. So can I tell you that when you're praying, one of the things you need to do when you start praying, that today I want to start with blaming God for what's wrong in your life is not a good way to start. All right? Blaming God is not prayer, first of all, and it's not wise. It's not prayer, and it's not wise. Watch this. Chapter 9, where I'll be most of today, verses 12b through 14, the writer said, Under the whole heaven nothing has been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord is righteous in everything, yet we have not obeyed him. Listen, listen. God didn't cause the disaster that fell on the Israelites. He allowed it. There's a difference. What caused it was their irreverence, what caused it was their lack of faithfulness. Your life may be jacked up right now, but it's not jacked up because God made it jacked up. It's jacked up because of your, your choices, because of what you've done, what you've allowed. The same God who you can call on now for a remedy could have been there from the beginning to prevent it from happening. But you didn't choose to call on him then. 
And so coming to him now, blaming him for the problem is not going to help because that's offensive to him. He loved you then and he loves you now, but it's not his fault that you're in that situation. And Israel said it best. They said, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord. We're in this situation, but we didn't call on his name. We want to blame him for it, but we didn't call on his name. We didn't turn from our sins, and we didn't give attention to the truth that was before us, and now we find ourselves in a bad situation. Can I tell you, the truth is always the truth. It never changes. Not because of your circumstances does it change. Don't blame God for your situation. It's not prayer. It's not prayer, and it's not wise. You also need to do this. Review God's record in your life and review his record in general. It's amazing to me that the same God who helped mom and dad and when you're in trouble wasn't the one you turned to before you got in trouble. Why didn't you go back and review that beforehand? Why didn't you go back and remind yourself before the choices were made? That God has been the God not only who gets you out of trouble, but keeps you out of trouble. The same God, the same God. And so you need to learn how to, as you mature in your prayer life. Now, I'm not sitting here pointing the finger at you saying I've done all this wrong. I'm here to tell you I've messed up in this respect. I've had to come to God after the fact, after bad choices, after the consequences of my choices. I came to tell you that I want to do better and I want you to do better. Learn how to call on his name on the front end and praise him on the back end. And in order to do that, then I need to make my requests known to him in light of how faithful he's been before. Not just to me, but to my folk, to my friend, to my family. I can start praying wisely to you on just how good God has been to me in my life. Not just me, but my mama when she had me when she was 18. My mama who he kept when she needed somebody. That's the same God who was good, who, who kept her and, and gave her an occupation and gave her the way to take care of this child she had. Thank you for being my mama's God. And then I'm mature enough to know that mama transferred her legacy of love for the Lord on to me. Thank you for having a mama who taught me how to pray for myself. I'm mature enough to know how good he's been in general and how good he's been specifically to me. Learn how to pray and thank him for that because he's worthy of it. He didn't just start keeping with you. He's been keeping ever since. Watch this. Now, O oh Lord, your Lord God, our, who brought our people out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Go back and tell him. He knows but he likes to know that you know he brought the people out of Egypt and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. There are a whole lot of folk who depended on something that let them down. Ain't no going out of business with God. No, no, it doesn't happen. He's been good ever since. They said, we've sinned and done wrong. Oh Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem. That's what Daniel wrote right there. In other words, you've done it before, Lord. You've turned your wrath away before. Lord, help me to get past this situation I find myself in. 
And so I'm praying for how good you've been in general and, Lord, how good you've been in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Not only that, pray for his sake. I think people get caught up all the time. We always want to put ourselves in the mix, make ourselves more important than we are under the circumstances. Yeah, we pray and we say, Lord, bless us for our sake. No, bless him for his sake. Let him know that he's the one who's worthy of the praise. He's the one who's worthy of the righteousness. It's not about us. We always want to make it about us. His grace is sufficient for us, but we want to honor him because he's God. We want to honor him because of his reputation. Watch this. Our sins, I'm reading verse 16b, chapter 9 through 19, watch. It says, our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people, look, an object of scorn to those around us. An object of scorn. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, God, for your sake. O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Come on now. We of all people are God calling on people. He brought us through so many situations in this country alone, and yet now we turn our backs and act like it's us that have done all these things. We don't call on his name alone, and so if we are supposed to be the example of God's goodness, we got to be giving God a bad name. We got to be, and we need to ask him to forgive us for how we're taking his blessings and making them look like we did something to earn this. God has been good to us. Come on, it's the same God who brought us out of slavery. It's the same God who has brought us through Jim Crow. It's the same God who can help us prove to the nation that black lives matter, and yet we keep trying to make it about us and not him. It's for his sake. If we want to bring glory to God, then let's start talking to him more and let him walk us through this situation. We know that black lives matter. You're not going to stand in front of folk and convince them that black lives matter by screaming that at them. It's going to take God and his grace moving on their hearts to understand that black lives do matter. And he's been doing it through the ages. Black lives mattered in, say, in slavery, but folk didn't hear it. Black lives mattered during Jim Crow, but folk didn't hear it. Black lives matter today. It's gonna take God moving on folks hard. It's gonna take God moving in a supernatural way for there to be a change of heart in this country. We need to be praying more and saying less, and a change will come. We also need to know that through it all, if it had not been for his grace, we wouldn't be here right now. It's all because of his grace. Pray with a heartfelt recognition, knowing in your heart that we don't deserve God's grace. 
No, 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 none of us deserve his grace. Verse 18 says, verse nine, chapter 9, verse 18 says, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Because of your great mercy. Come on now. We need to be teaching young folk how to pray more. We need to be connecting them more to the Lord, connecting, connecting them more to the one who has brought us thus far on the way. We want to sing the song that James Weldon Johnson and his brother wrote at, at their major athletic events, but they don't even understand the lyrics in the song. They don't even understand that this was as much a psalm as it was a song. They don't understand that it's to God who we owe reverence. We need to be teaching what it's all about. There's scripture in those songs, but we won't turn them to the God who makes it possible. If it had not been for grace, where would we be? And then I want you to know that God's response in our prayers is immediate. I alluded to this last week. His response to our prayers is immediate when you're faithful. Watch me now. I've said this before from this pulpit. When does the prayer becomes, when is, it, when is it actionable? Can I tell you that when a faithful person prays, God doesn't have a delay when he responds to it. He responds immediately, but you might not be ready for that yes yet. Yeah. You pray for the Lord to bless you with something. And it takes 10 years for the something to come. That doesn't mean that God waited 10 years to say yes. I believe that God said yes immediately. This scripture tells me right here, chapter 9, verses 21 through 23, that God said yes to Daniel immediately, but it took three weeks for the response to come through. The reason it took three weeks under these circumstances is because the forces of evil were trying to block it from happening, and yet God's warriors were battling to make it come true. And three weeks later, Daniel, who had been praying for the benefit of the people, got the answer. And the angel ver verified that. He says, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man, came to me in swift flight. He said, I've come to give you insight and understanding. Read it now. As soon, you ought to underline this. You ought to hang a, a hat, stick a pen on this. He said, as soon as you began to pray, as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. Why? Because God hears you, Daniel. Your prayers are heard in heaven immediately he said i came to tell you and i would have been here but i've been battling some of y'all ask for things that require a whole lot of demons moved out of the way before you can get there that doesn't mean there won't be other ones there but it means that before the yes can fit your circumstances you got to get better the circumstances got to get better and then you'll walk into that yes. That might need to be a sermon right there, walking into your yes. Some of you are not ready for the yes, can I tell you? There's some things we pray for that if we had gotten it then, we'd have messed it up so bad. The mess we were in our lives 
would have torn up everything around us, all that we hold valuable. We would have messed it up because we were asking for something that we weren't prepared to take care of. We weren't faithful enough to hold what it was we were praying for. And even though God thought it in his purposes for you to have it, he didn't let you get it until you were ready. And then you still had to pray to keep it and hold it. And so watch this now. People, and, and, and you know I'm right about it. Think about all the folk who got fame and glory, position, profile, and messed it up. Because they tried to hold it in their own power, in their own right. They thought they were talented enough, smart enough to keep it. And they didn't realize that God had given them the yes, but they weren't prepared for it. And they did not give him the glory for it. And so it was taken away from them. And then think about how many folk have gotten just regular good lives because they started out with the Lord and he sustained them all these years. Can I show you one? Daniel. He went through some things, but God blessed him. How can you be snatched into captivity by an invading army and live the kind of life that Daniel lived? He lived in the palace. He lived in the best of circumstances. He was placed under circumstances to help people who were in trouble. He had authority. He had influence. And he was a slave. He was a slave from day one. He was a slave through all these administrations. And yet God had him in the highest offices of the land. Can I give you another one? Joseph snatched out of prison. But because he listened to God and prayed to him and was faithful, God put him second in command in the kingdom. There's enough examples in scripture to let you know that when God wants to keep you in a place, he can. How many of you started praying the moment, the moment, you remember, you remember back in 2008? You remember that night in November when they announced that the next president the 44th president of the United States would be Barack Hussein Obama. A black man had become the president of the United States. How many of y'all started praying right then, Lord, don't let him kill him? How many of you said, Lord, keep him? Don't, don't let nobody hurt him. And how? Look at us on the other side of two terms. If you didn't pray for anything else, you didn't pray for his policies, you wanted to, but you prayed for his personal protection for eight years, scared that if he stepped out of the building, somebody was going to harm him just because he was black. And yet God kept him because he had a purpose for him. And because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man can avail a whole lot of things. I know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all been praying for your family, for your friend, for your children? They leave, you don't hear from them, you don't know where they are, they in and out of every situation, and yet you stay on your face before the Lord and say, keep them. And some of y'all were the ones being prayed for because you knew you were in and out of a whole lot of foolishness, and yet the Lord kept you, and God kept you. Watch this now, watch this. The, the last thing, next to the last thing, is that you need to know when you pray, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Yeah, coming, coming, coming. Holy Spirit is there with you, guiding you, protecting you. Now you say, well, why wasn't the Holy Spirit there with David? 
mean, with Daniel, when he was praying, why did the angel have to come to him? Well, the New Testament brought a whole new system for us. When we believe, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. He comes and lives in us. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon men. God would send the Holy Spirit upon men as the circumstance would dictate. The indwelling came because of the death of Jesus Christ. When the Lord promised to send us another comforter to keep us. It's a whole different situation. And still we have those angels helping as well. So you got God in you. Jesus died for you. You got God above you and angels all around you taking care of you. That's what kind of protection we have when we're faithful. He'll take care of us. Help is on the way. Help is on the way, and Daniel knew and was validated that help was on the way. And then I love this, the last thing is notice that there are angels watching over us. Angels are watching over us. People don't believe that. People don't believe that angels are paying attention to what they're doing. But how many of y'all know circumstances have come about? You don't know about the wreck you almost had. Why? Because angels are watching over you. Yeah, you, you don't know about the hole you almost stepped into. Yeah, you don't know about the devil who was about to stab you, and yet it stopped. You don't know about the pink slip you almost got, and yet the person counting names now skipped your name. You don't know about the circumstances that came about. You don't know, D, about the bank robbery, I mean the robbery at the station where you were gassing up happening, and you left just before it happened. Why? Because the Lord was taking care of you. The angels have been watching over you. Yeah, because there's a whole, y'all want to believe in angels and good things, but y'all don't want to believe that there's a whole, another whole side over there. Can I tell you, God is keeping us from something. And sometimes the something ain't the angel, sometimes it's you that is keeping the bad, sometimes it's your choices, what you do. Sometimes the enemy you have to look out for is in the mirror looking at you. Sometimes you're the problem. But if you're faithful, if you keep God first. If you let God protect you and keep you and guide you, then you can become a prayer warrior like Daniel. Not so you can wear the t-shirt, not so you can brag about it to folk, but so you can do the purposes that God has in your life. Jesus did it. Jesus didn't die for us to be God's son. No. He did it because he was already God's son, and he knew it would please his father. He knew that taking care of us, you know us, the ones that God created, the one God loves, each one of us, the one God wants to have a relationship with, he knew our relationship with the Lord was fractured. And the only way for us to get back into good relationship with God was for someone to remove the sin debt. And so Jesus, the Son of God, the one who created everything for the Father. He decided that he would come and die for us. And it pleased the Father, and he accepted his sacrifice. That's why you and I now have a right to the tree of life. But we do it through Jesus, because he loved us. Do you know him? Did you know he died for you? Have you accepted his gift of salvation, his gift of reconnecting you to God? Maybe now is the day for you to do it. Today is the day. I ask you right now to choose right now to get back into a relationship or to even get into a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you pray right now that you're a sinner in need of salvation, if you ask him to come in and cleanse you 
if you ask him to come in and connect you, he'll give you a promise and he'll connect you with his Holy Spirit. Put him in you right now so that you have someone who can walk with you and guide you every single day. Right now is the time. Today is the day. God bless you. Daniel has taught us how to pray. Take these lessons, use them every day, and grow in your faith toward the Lord.